0: Lord, Lord, the nature of your kiss The nature of the wilderness
1: We're all made to walk Lord, Lord, the nature
0: of your wrath It's not an easy path But I'm willing to trust dying in the dust. Welcome to the Fellow Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Lesprance. Listen in as I host humble discussions exploring the diverse expressions of Christian spirituality, tradition, and beyond. Enjoy and safe traveling. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm sitting here in Sterling, Massachusetts. At this beautiful home uh, out in the woods overlooking, what is this uh, we're looking at? Wetlands. Wetlands, Beautiful wetlands. It's a nice, beautiful day. Uh, Tomorrow is uh, New Year's Eve. Yes.
2: 2023
0: is coming in hot. Hot. It's crazy. And I'm here with Pastor Zach Kersey, an old friend of mine who really I didn't have really Interacted with too much, but up until this point. But anyway,
2: but we've known each other forever.
0: We've known each other for a long time. But it but... Just
2: kind of like surface, like we haven't really had yeah. to until today. But
0: that's okay. I was just I was so happy that he was willing to sit down and have a chat. But anyway, Zach kersey grew up in Texas back in the day. United Methodist.
2: Dad's United Methodist pastor. Your dad until very recently is now wow. a part of the global Methodist Church.
0: Wow. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, Zach Kersey is also, you're also an associate pastor or pastor?
2: So, I'm the associate pastor at the first church in Sterling.
0: Sweet. Massachusetts. Here,
2: here in Sterling, Massachusetts. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Apple Country. Um, it's as pretty as you think. It's yeah, we're picture. not
0: sure. We're not far from Wachusett Mountain. Wachusett Mountain. Got the um, reservoir.
2: Come check out Rhoda Springs ice,
0: ice cream. cream. Yes. Good stuff.
2: Right down the street from us. Mm-hmm. Dangerously close. Beautiful. And our church is a beautiful um, new england church out of a out of a out of a movie
0: one of those classic white steeple white steeple been around
2: for 300 years yeah um, you know ancient storied beautiful and uh just an amazing beautiful community what, what's well. the
0: denomination of the church
2: again we are interdenominational so we are baptist wow united church of christ and unitarian universalist wow.
0: <laughs> that is quite the mixed bag we're like a joke that's hilarious. Historically Baptists, historically an
2: universalist <sighs> and the United Church of Christ person walking to the bar.
0: What are yeah, what um what historically was that church?
2: So it's the result of mergers, but if you take anything back long enough in the United States, we fall into the Puritans.
3: Wow. But the Congregationalists
2: were essentially free free thinkers, free theologians. Mm-hmm. Like that came from the Anglican tradition and you know. Yeah those Puritans were people who practiced methods other than Anglicanism. Mm. That's all that Puritans really were, were, you know, people who were practicing that kind of like, um, that method of Christianity that was, you know, rooted in your, uh, personal responsibility, Mm. discipline, kind of the Spartan existence, you know, that work ethic, but (laughs) some other methods that came out, of that time from england are mm. the methodist movement which yep. people always talk about methodists like we were called methodists because we were methodical <laughs> i think that actually my study of methodist history it makes more sense to me that is because they were referred us referred to as other methodists which mm. would be a slant or a slander by the uh, interest neat of the time
0: so yeah so Zach Kersey, here you are. And you're a semi-professional amateur oh luthier. My, oh, luthier. my goodness.
2: Yeah, I'm a guitar maker. At what point do you become a professional?
0: I don't know. When you're selling them, I think that's professional. But
2: So I guess I have achieved the distinction of professional, though I like cringe at the idea of being called a luthier because that's such a high art. Yeah. Um, I feel very much like a fraud when it comes to making guitars.
0: They're beautiful, though. But
2: what I've realized is that just like anything, um, you can you can gain a skill just by careful attention. That's really what an mm. expert is: is just somebody who spends a lot of time thinking about something. Yep. What and, you do, um, like the more you spend time like researching or learning about something, holding a guitar in your hands is research. Mm. So. Um, I felt like I went into it with a great understanding of what it should feel like in my hands and then how it should sound in my ear because I played for 10 years before I ever tried to build one.
0: Now, how how many times did you mess up before you actually got the guitar together?
2: My first guitar was really like my 20th guitar because <laughs> I broke every single piece <laughs> and spent so much money. Really? Well, I, I had been playing for about 10 years and I had a Takamine G series, which is the guitar <clears throat> that Glenn Hansard plays. Mm-hmm. And... It's like a working man's guitar. It is a Martin knockoff. But it just kind of wasn't serving my needs anymore. I felt like I was always going to play the same style of music if I had the same guitar. So I was thinking about getting a custom guitar from Emma Luthier in Grafton, where we lived. And I looked at the price and I was like, okay, I just started making tables. Mm, Same thing. Well, our mutual friend Dave Johnson commented on one of my tables, if you can make a table you can make a guitar. I don't know how true that is. It's not true. It was a joke. <laughs> he was saying it completely ironically. And,
0: but, and you took him seriously.
2: Well, I watched an hour-long video of a master guitar maker making a guitar, and I realized, like, oh, all the tools that he had are the same tools that I have, hmm. which i have been doing about three years' worth of carpentry at that point.
0: Did you have a workshop in Grafton?
2: I did. It was in the basement of the parsons of the church, and I was selling tables to pay for the church, simple wow. church, um, R.I.P., Died during
0: the pandemic
2: be- yeah but had a beautiful life
0: I believe in resurrection though I think it's gonna come back
2: you know in some ways it's still very much is showing that fruit of like the expectation that things are gonna last forever I think is really rooted in like American mm-hmm. idealism but most companies organizations schools like haven't existed for hundreds of years. Yeah. Think about governments and like mm. things don't, things have a natural entropy to them. So like mm. the idea that a church plant is going to like, you know, survive multiple generations. But it's
0: going to transform.
2: It's going to transform. You know, and in this case it was just, we simply just ran out. Oh, I get it. Yeah. And then I took another job.
0: in the pandemic.
2: pandemic. Really? But, um, you know, you were asking about my, my jobs earlier. So, uh, you know, making guitars is something I, I enjoy now. But that came out of carpentry for the church, almost like a monastic train to pay for the church.
0: Not making beer, you were making tables.
2: Exactly. I started out in bread, which is how we met. Mm, Yep, yep. um, Through my bread sales and music life. And then, um, you know, our friend Dave jokingly was like, why don't you look into this? And I watched that video and, like, you know, had the audacity to think, like, I don't look that hard. You know, it was very hard and Mm -hmm. took the first guitar, took i clocked it at 200 hours nice and i had cut myself scratched myself hospital visits hospital visits crushed my finger (laughs) in a vice. (laughs) broke the neck twice oh boy uh the bridge pulled off the first time i strung it up so i thought i was finished Mm -hmm. and i pulled a big hole in the middle of the soundboard wow when the bridge like exploded
0: Guitars are really very—it's a delicate balance, isn't it?
2: One hundred percent of tension. It's hundreds of pounds of pressure being held together by two millimeters of wood. It's wild. <laughs> I mean, imagine how small two millimeters is. It's like your fingernails.
0: Yeah, it's tiny.
2: It's like two fingernails stacked.
0: You need the right kind of woods,
2: probably. You need strong woods. It's all about bracing it. So they're strong, but they're it. Like,
0: moisturize it or something.
2: You don't moisturize it. You want it to be as dry as possible. Really? Dry wood is is wood that is going to to resonate the best. Which is why old wood is desirable. Right. Really? And why old guitars play and sound beautiful.
0: Because
2: mm, they've been dried out, seasoned. They're seasoned, man. You know? Yeah. And it's not like um, you know, they're sealed by oil because like it keep them from getting too <clears throat> dry. But yeah, you know, so but the other job that I do now is I serve a church called Worcester Fellowship in Worcester. And that's an outdoor church.
0: Is that related to Disciples of Christ?
2: We have we have a relationship with the Disciples. Mm-hmm. We um, received a grant from them several years ago, so you might have seen like some promotional stuff.
0: Well, it's funny because I was just searching like, is there any Disciples of Christ churches in the area? And yours popped up, mm-hmm. but it's not actually Disciples of Church. It's just kind of affiliated.
2: We're we're recognized and affiliated. by them. Oh, cool! And they were one of our like sponsoring congregations when we were founded. Wow! So we were accredited by Disciples of Christ as a as a church.
0: And what does that ministry do?
2: We serve homeless men and women. We serve people who are um, refugees, uh, non English speakers, people who you know just land in New <clears throat> England somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we regularly interact with people who are deep in sex work. Wow! Um, deep in addiction to drugs. Alcohol. Fentanyl yeah. is our new boogeyman. It is like the evil thing out there right now. Fentanyl is, is so potent that people accidentally overdose.
0: Mm, it's a big need in Worcester for sure.
2: Regularly. I mean, mm. dozens of people I know now die from fentanyl. Yes. Yeah. So um, there's also misinformation about fentanyl that has created like a false problem. Mm. Where we're worried that people are like giving fentanyl to our kids <laughs> when in reality, it's like they are it's just our like our kids who are on the street yeah because they're they're sons and daughters too.
0: Mm, true
2: um but it's only the people who are so hardened by heroin that they can't get high on heroin anymore that can even physically handle any amount of fentanyl.
0: so if you weren't predisposed to heroin already then you would you'd probably die from fentanyl
2: you would die from fentanyl. wow and you do and people do and people have
0: Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really sad. Problem. Accidental
2: consumption <laughs> is the normal cause of death right now.
0: Accidental? How do, you, how do you accidentally consume it?
2: Because you think you're smoking K2. Oh. And it's laced with fentanyl.
0: Do they do that because they want it to get it addictive?
2: They do it because most people who are buying drugs where you can get fentanyl are so deeply addicted to something else that they can handle it and mm-hmm. it makes it a better experience for for them, for their customers. But if you're not honest with your customers about, and you know, the honest <clears throat> truth is that if someone's trying to have like a good product, they don't care who dies along the way
0: yeah, it's really They make as
2: much money as they can. Mm-hmm. So that's not their customer anyway.
0: So that's great. You guys help out. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. great, but it's great that you guys are, I, I think it's
2: helping. amazing that we exist. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, I pinch myself that I get to live out the dream of like a new monastic, Life that I was enamored with in college, Mm -hmm. in a way that actually makes sense and is sustainable for me and my family. Yeah,
0: Yeah, you kind of have like this contemplative way of living out here in the woods, and then you can go out and help and help. And that's what the monastics did—the desert fathers. This is like a fortress of prayer. Yeah,
2: that I gird myself for battle, Mm. and the people who we, you know, know. In love and Worcester, the reason that they're with us is because they don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, and it's, that's, it almost sounds cliche as I say it. But these are people who've been kicked out of churches really? for asking for for help. Wow, these are people who have had the police called on them for going to church. That's unfortunate. you know, and a lot of a lot of the time, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it'll happen again in thirty six minutes. <laughs> um, a lot of them. Don't have family, don't have friends. Mm. Get scowl looks. People look down their nose at them all day. Yeah. So the, what we really do is just make a place where they can come and pray, be given hope, be told that they matter, that God loves them, and wow. and give people Eucharist. We do communion every week. Wow. And like you know, that that for me is is such a gift to be able to like when I was nineteen or twenty and I was reading Shane Claiborne. Yeah.
0: I'm going to be talking to him soon, by the way. Super excited.
2: He, uh, I had the opportunity to bring him to speak, and I was so excited to meet him. Yeah. And I was, like, coaching myself for days before I met him (laughs) how to talk to him in a way that would not reveal to him that he is, like, the closest thing to a guru (laughs) I've ever had in my life. Because I know that he's a really genuinely humble person and would probably be really turned off by any kind of sycophantic. Yeah. But, I mean, if I'm a sycophant to anyone. Secretly, yeah. Shane Claiborne. Yeah. He, you talk about, like, we're going to talk about my heritage here. Mm -hmm. But.
0: Plays a big role in your formation.
2: I owe him my faith. Wow. I was done when I first read that book.
0: Wow. Which book was that?
2: irresistible revolution oh i love it i read it in like five days
0: <clears throat>
2: in my dorm room i can remember how it smelled <laughs> and it shook me every chapter i kept saying this is gonna be the chapter where i stop mm. agreeing with him because i knew that he was like pushing all of my preconceptions wow. he's pushing the boundaries and every chapter he would just slay my heart mm. with examples of people he knew by name wow and it changed my life
0: It's mm, awesome Well, speaking of which, I mean, let's get into your spiritual heritage. Going back, you grew up in Texas. What part of Texas are you from?
2: So I'm from a little town called Kempner, Texas, population 600. Wow. Um, And it is kind of like one of those Texas towns that wouldn't exist without a larger town nearby. And um, so my parents were teachers in a town called Coppers Cove, and I knew that my dad had been a pastor at some point when I was really little, but I didn't remember it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was kind of just part of our family's like myth, our like legend of like how of our family and like our self understanding of like the Curzys. Mm-hmm. You know, was that my dad had wanted to be a pastor but got treated so badly by the church that he served that he quit. Wow, he got burned out. That was the language they used was burned mm-hmm. out. And I look at it now, it's like, oh, he was just like not prepared for the burden of being a spiritual leader because he hadn't been to seminary yet. Mm, Yeah. And he was a child. He was young. Was he like early 20s? Early 20s. No no experience. Hadn't grown up in church. Had only really been going to church at that point in his life for like five or six years. Of course he wasn't ready. But like he, I think that was a source of shame for him. So he didn't always go to church with us. Like sometimes he wouldn't go for long periods of time. Mm. Um, And it wasn't until I was in high school that he went back into the ministry. But So I was raised in rural conservative churches Mm. and everything that was ever taught about how to be good came from these simple people. Yeah. Honorable people. Mm -hmm. And they cared really deeply about being a good person, an honorable person. Mm. Uh, Growing up the worst insult that you could ever get was that you were acting unchristian. Oh, wow. Um, Honor shame kind of thing. It was like, it was like, that's an unchristian. Thing to do like if my mom said that about a person you know we all sat up a little straighter
0: wow you tell she was serious do you think she meant christ-like or do you think she meant christian is there do you think there's a distinction there
2: growing up there was no distinction really? for us it was like if you were christian you were good and if you weren't good then you weren't christian ah okay you wow know?
0: very moralistic
2: it was you know and it still kind of messes me up to this day but oh yeah like um you know those those little country churches. Campner United Methodist Church was the first church that I joined. I was confirmed in that church, mm-hmm. and uh, loved those people dearly. Cried when we left that church when I was in eighth grade. We left the church, and I think my mom, like looking back, you know, when I when I think about like what the experience of going to that church as an adult must have been like, it must have been really different like looking back and it was a tiny community and we knew everything about everyone and it wasn't always comfortable
0: we were
1: mm. in
2: each other's business oh boy in, in a good way i mean we were a family it's you know? crazy but they knew everything about me they knew every the bad thing i ever did
0: the <laughs> courage kids are back
2: you know, you <laughs> yeah but when, when you go
0: back to texas it's like oh the courage kids are back
2: you know um, unfortunately none of those people are so with oh, us really um, so when i go back and visit now it's completely different, different people oh yeah and they don't know me anymore <laughs> um, but in my mind, like when I think of church home, it was that church, and we, we mm. would sing uh, with a simple piano accompaniment, old hymns like the old rugged cross. Mm. Oh yeah, good ones. What a friend we have in Jesus. God was a care of you. Um, amazing grace, from that file. And so that style of music is also really like it was a very country musical style. Mm. And then the next church that really became like a church home for me. That's when my dad joined the ministry again as a local pastor. They sent him to Pitco, United Methodist Church. Pitco was another town like about 30 minutes away. But those people really became my church family. Pitco exists because of that church. Wow. Like the town wouldn't, there's a Baptist church, a road, and a Methodist church. Yeah. And then you blink and you're in another town. Wow. Yeah. No stop signs, no stop lights, no businesses, nothing.
0: It's kind of cool how, like, historically churches have always been built kind of as a town center.
2: Yeah. Right? As like a, center a of municipal community. building.
0: Yeah. it's, it's A, a good, building for the people. They're so built into the
2: It was structure the, church, the It was the place where trials were held. It mm-hmm. was where, like, you know, like, people talk about the trials being held in the churches. Like, where else would they had Yeah. It's the nicest <laughs> building in town.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was, like, their town hall.
2: Yeah, they either be, do it there or outside.
0: Yeah.
2: Just going, the other buildings. <laughs> the nicest there, building.
0: Know. Or in the mud hut
2: over there. Yeah, straight, exactly. Yeah, straight yeah. hut. <laughs> Like, so do you want to you want to have thirty people in a single bedroom yeah. squalorous peasant house, or would you like to be at the church? Yeah, that was basically your own house.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: That's fascinating. But yeah, those those churches, those country churches, um, I think were I right to go there as an adult now, would probably be pretty appalled by their theology. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but I am so grateful to them for recognizing my ministry potential
1: mm-hmm.
2: like those were the churches that named my call to ministry right really? for me um they
1: what did said you're gonna be like? a pastor
2: from the time i was little the time they just spoke preached, it yeah well just, it was like as sure as the sky is blue you're gonna be a pastor did you believe it yeah yeah really there wasn't really much of a consideration to do anything else my entire life wow i, I preached my first summer when i was 10 and <laughs> really it went really really well Mm-hmm. And from that day on, I was terrified to ever preach ever again after that mm-hmm. because of how um, positive the reaction was. It, like, scared me to death. I hated it. I was really, a really shy kid.
0: Oh, so you're afraid of the attention.
2: I was mm-hmm. overweight. I didn't um, naturally get along with people because I was mm-hmm. really kind of internal.
3: Yeah. It.
2: And I, I had my own, like, little... Obsessions that I was like running over my mind, and everything else was just kind of in my way. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have a lot of friends either. But like, like in church, that was where I belonged. Mm-hmm. And pretty early on, the adults saw me and were like, "We need to do everything that we can to support you to like tend your call to ministry
1: mm-hmm.
2: and your like goodness." um so they like were really protective of me really and i was really sheltered um,
0: it, and living up in such a small community too and you probably stuck up
2: oh <clears> 100 <throat> <throat> 100 yeah they, they were just like you're gonna be a pastor and it was like you know there was a, a time when i was like in high school that I pushed against it it was very brief
3: mm.
2: when i said i wanted to be something else wow. but in my mind i think i always kind of knew like this is where you're going to end up
0: now, were there any experiences that you had with God, just like not not being not an experience that's mediated by others, but an experience that you truly felt like this connection with God and with the church?
2: In a sense, I'm going to kind of cheat and talk about a couple that had as an adult.
0: All right, that's, that's okay. for sure. Yeah. Or we can get there as we get. Is that later on in the story? Let's skip ahead. Okay, skip ahead. Sure, do what you want.
2: You know, Dad. Dad became a pastor, and I remember sitting in like Bible study, um, Sunday school, Sunday before church and thinking to myself, like, like I guess dad had gotten there a little bit early and me and mom had like gotten donuts and like kind of hung around and then come a little bit later for Sunday school. I was like, okay, so dad's job is that he comes to this building, he reads the Bible, he prays, he writes, he takes meetings that people are going through a hard time, mm-hmm. but most of the time he just gets to like sit here and wait for them to come to Bible study. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that sounds pretty sweet. I was like, I think I could do that. I so
0: you like the good. idea of having kind of a flexible schedule.
2: Love the idea. Of Except the for Sundays.
0: Sundays. Except for Sundays. But it was like, like the
2: only day that my dad like had to do something. Really? Wow. Like the rest of the time he was just preparing his sermons. He was reading and praying. And uh, I think he did a really good example of me. I remember as a kid thinking to myself, like, I hope dad, I hope nobody ever finds out how easy dad's life is. <laughs> Cause if they do dad, if you're listening to this, I love you. <laughs> I think dad will actually, it's probably not hearing the story though. Oh that. yeah. Sure. Um, but I remember thinking, sure, about, like, I, I could do that. And during that Bible study, um, I hadn't been studying the Bible in any serious way, which I think is actually really common for young Christians. We see the Bible as this like mystical thing. That's not mm-hmm. of our, like we're told that it's so important as the actual word of God. And because of that, I think it leads us not to read it.
0: It's almost like fear. Or, or because when you attempt to, and you're like, what is this? Well, saying? one, you're
2: like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> no know? context, yeah. You have no context. You have no, like, or reading it as if it's a genre that it is not.
0: It's your personal letter to you.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. And if you pick up a Spider-Man comic, <laughs> imagine yourself existing in 3005, in whatever form of the Earth exists in 3005. Is that when Spider-Man takes place? No. Oh. Well, you find an ancient artifact of the people who lived a thousand years before, Mm -hmm. the Spider-Man. You pick it up. You pick it up and you start to read it. Mm -hmm. And like,
0: this is their religion?
2: Well, no, you would say, like, can you believe that these idiots, these unsophisticated people in the year 2020, two, whatever year it is, (laughs) they thought that a spider person (laughs) was able to swing from buildings (laughs) and lift cars over their heads? But that's like, if you're reading Genesis, it's mm-hmm. like, um, Israel wrestles with an angel. Mm-hmm. And before that, he had to impress his like new bride, lifted up a stone over a well that was the size that it would need like 30 people to lift. He lifted it by himself and set it on mm-hmm. the ground to like, show just how like supernaturally strong he was. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a kid reading that and being like, did they think that people could live? Two hundred years and lift stones <laughs> off of wellheads by themselves, and you know trick. This is real in the Book yeah. of Genesis. Yeah. Israel, Israel, as a young man, one who the strives with God and lives. Went before that, mm-hmm. he tricks the sheep of Laban, his father-in-law, into only producing striped and spotted offspring by placing reeds in front of their eyes as they mate wow so that laban got nothing because no white sheep were born mm-hmm. laban means white and ah. some proto you know uh, israeli
0: so <laughs> it, it becomes pretty apparent that there's there's some history to it but there's also some mythology to it as well or, or legend as well yeah plainly yeah
2: you know and like the more you look at it mm-hmm. it's obvious that it was never intended to be read as a history, because history mm-hmm. wasn't the genre that existed. Yeah. Like, history is, is a... Well, one, the idea that we have historical documents that are true historical accounts is a... Science myth. wasn't a thing back then. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. But they, they weren't telling these stories to people who thought that they were historical accounts. Mm-hmm. This is an answer to the question where we come from. Which yeah. is why all the names are deeply symbolic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Describe people groups. And... Israel-Palestine at the time. And why um, is Jacob
0: trying- named Israel? Because he represents Israel and Edom. Or um, Esau represents Edom. And, 100%. Yeah, you got all this. Cain represents the Canaanites,
2: you know, I imagine. I'm not a Bible scholar. but Well, so no, actually, the Canaanites come from Canaan, which is one of mm-hmm. the sons of Ham, who was the son of Noah that, quote-unquote, uncovered the nakedness of his father, when he was in a drunken stupor boy, after he plants the first vineyard. And that could mean that he one saw his dad's butthole (laughs) and that was a deeply shameful thing. And then he brags about to his brothers. And so it could just be as simple as he mocked his father's nakedness to his Mm -hmm. brothers could mean that he had sex with his dad, which, you know, there's only like seven people left Mm -hmm. on earth at this time. So there's not a lot of other obvious. Yeah. I think that's less likely. Uncovering the nakedness of your father in... ancient. I am not an expert in this, so nobody... Please, if I'm incorrect, please. This is
0: Zach Kersey's interpretation.
2: Yeah, please. If you are a scholar, who knows better than me? But like my understanding of like Levitical Deuteronomical law at that time, it's something in the book of Leviticus that says if you uncover the nakedness of your father then she's Yeah. killed um, because you're cursed. Uh. And so it's implied that there's like a sexual connotation to it, that you have sex with your mother. Mm. That's what it means to uncover the nakedness of your father or to have sex with someone who your father is having sex with, because it would cross the lines mm. of like who the patronage,
0: they get a cuckold of your father.
2: 100%. That's what it is. So it's really about the honor of your father mm-hmm. and the legitimacy of his line mm-hmm. So there's a couple times in Genesis that somebody is cursed for uncovering the nakedness of their father, mm-hmm. having sex with their mother. So Ham um, is uh, is cursed, and the son of Ham is Canaan, who become mm-hmm. the Canaanites. Um, and it's implied that the reason why Ham was cursed is because he had sex with his mother, mm-hmm. and it was an incestuous relationship. The son being Canaan, who's the father of the Canaanites. So it's like a subtle burn. To the Canaanites, that they are yeah. the result of incest.
0: And so now, when you're reading it, when they're reading it later on after it's already been written, they're like, "Ah, see, the Canaanites, we we're othering them, you know, um,
2: yeah. the sons was, of incest, sons of incest. We're, we're the true, we're the true. We take our line from Seth, the third son of mm. Eve. Yeah, it was unsullied by the murder of Abel by Cain.
3: Mm.
0: Third son. All of those people
2: were lost in the flood.
0: You have this, this. These themes and archetypes through and uh, patterns throughout the, the Hebrew Scriptures, which are incredible. Like it's yeah. so incredibly written. It's not.
3: The
2: it's Hebrew not just Bible, like
0: random gobbledygook.
2: This, the this Hebrew Bible is a deeply sophisticated masterpiece. Yeah. That <clears throat> I think it's lost on many Christians the difference in scope and majesty. Dare I say, mm-hmm. <laughs> between the New Testament and the Old. The New Testament is beautiful, and I've spent my entire life studying it and learning Greek. So don't add me. Yeah. No, of course. But the Old Testament is where it's at. It's it's so much more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. There's a red line that runs through the entire Old Testament. There's intertextuality, mm-hmm. yep. references to other themes that it's like memes. It's like it's like every page of the Bible is a meme. It's a meme. It's referencing <laughs> things that are lost to people who aren't swimming in those waters. Wow
0: so yeah as you were as you were talking about the old testament i was thinking about jesus in the emmaus way Mm -hmm. you know when he said when he he unveiled the scriptures to them yeah so like what does that mean about how we interpret old testament yeah Yeah, when jesus says it maybe you can give us a a little recap of what jesus was saying at the emmaus way
2: so that, that story is fascinating yeah i think that we read the bible very seriously because of the like you know do I think recognition that it's a like a masterpiece mm-hmm. and you know, people think of it as you know the literal word of God. So they, they read it very stoically. Um, you know, we have the cadence of like a, like Bible reading. Like we know what that means, mm-hmm. you know, like a, this is what someone's reading the Bible sounds like. So when we read that story, it's actually a really hilarious story because the disciples are running away from Jesus's crucifixion and they're met by a stranger on the road. Mm-hmm. Who we know is Jesus, but they don't recognize him. They don't. And is it it because
0: it's, he's transfigured.
2: Well, it says in Greek that his appearance was hidden from them. Um, I think that the simplest translation of that in English is they didn't recognize him. Yeah. Um, because it implies like this almost like magical thing in English when we say that he hid his appearance from them. Mm. Because it doesn't say he was wearing a mask or anything like that. So it says that his his appearance is hidden to the disciples. Mm -hmm. I think in English, it's really just read they did not recognize him. Because if you think about it, um, I've seen people who have been savagely beaten. Mm -hmm. And three days later, they do not look like themselves.
0: Oh. So he still was beaten up?
2: Three days after being beat to death, he but was be, was he
0: resurrected at this point though? Yeah, he didn't have a resurrected body yet.
2: The resurrected body
0: is him beaten up.
2: Is the beaten body? He goes to Thomas. He says, "Stick your fingers <gasps> in my side." You're right. His You're wounds
0: right.
2: exist in the body that he's resurrected. So
0: his face was probably disgusting,
2: swollen, bloody. Wow, teeth out.
0: Never thought about it that way.
2: Like crown of thorns marks on his face. Like he would have been unrecognizable. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, if you have the stomach for it And don't go into it lightly um, Emmett Till Was oh, yeah. Given a open casket burial After he was savagely beaten. Yeah, And he was a 13 year old I believe Young man, black boy In mm-hmm. the south And Martin Luther King asked his mother Who demanded That the church keep the casket Open so that people could see wow, How disfigured That was brave of her He doesn't look like a human being. Mm. Um, And that's what Jesus' face would look like. So
3: That That body
2: was resurrected, and that body was ascended, Mm. and that body is seated at the right hand of the Father.
0: Wow. It gives whole new meaning to the suffering servant.
2: Well, today, Jesus has a cut in his side.
3: Mm. Still.
2: That's his body. So when Jesus sees the the body of a young man who's been beaten by police Mm. to death, it's like looking in the mirror. Wow. And that's why we should care.
0: The closeness. Yeah. and that, I mean, we got to take Matthew 25 very seriously.
2: Yeah. And the people in Matthew 25 who are being told by the Son of Man their judgment mm-hmm. are shocked that they were doing the right thing. They didn't know. They said, when did we exactly. feed you or clothe you or give you drink? He said, whenever you did the least of these, they weren't doing it because they were afraid of punishment. Mm -hmm. They were surprised. And constantly in the, in, especially in Matthew, Jesus says, like, don't cry out to me, Lord, Lord. And say, I love you. Do Mm -hmm. the will of my father in heaven. That's how you show me that you love me. Mm -hmm. You show me that you believe in me by what you do. I think that's the, that's why Matthew has always been my favorite gospel. It's a good one. He, Jesus and Matthew. Has a deep sense of like <clears throat> empathy for those who suffer. Mm. And like, as I read the stories of Jesus that we get in the gospels, they're like, ask, like, the gospel comes from God's spell, which means mm. good news. Mm. God's well,
0: spell. Evangel, right? Evangelion? Evangelion. Evangelion in
2: Greek. You means good yeah and angelion means message goodness a good message and angelon would be like an um a messenger so like an angel
0: and historically it was something that kings said when they conquered a land right there's a angelion, great news con- everyone i've conquered your land now i'm your king great news everyone
2: <laughs> well i mean more specifically it would be what the romans said when they annexed a, a new region into their empire exactly yeah congratulations you are now under the auspices of the Son of God.
0: So Jesus and John the Baptist saying you and Galion was very subversive.
2: It was uh, to the empire treason, treasonous, treasonous. Wow, a death sentence mm. to be caught. So when when Jesus is hung, what is his crime? Place on the, the placard, Jesus, King of the Jews. Mm, yeah, wow. Who was the King of the Jews? Caesar. Caesar, yeah. To call yourself the king of the Jews was an act of treason.
0: So let's put it up mockingly, of course.
2: Well, it was a a reason for people to think, you know, do I want to? Rome, at the time of Jesus, Mm -hmm. had placed a puppet king, Herod, as the king of Israel, king of the Jews. Mm -hmm. He was a, a Roman citizen with no connection to the line of David. David, we would call, you know, the king. And so to call Jesus the son of David is to show his political aspirations, Mm -hmm. to usurp the puppet king, to take the Roman officials that were placed in the temple Mm -hmm. and um, not allow them to make sacrifices to Caesar in the Holy of Holies anymore. Mm. That is what Jesus was charged with. So I think, like the book uh, by Reza Aslan, Zealot, to my mind, is the most like succinct um, academic synthesis, or who we aren't like academics mm-hmm. of like the closest we can get to understanding who Jesus was historically is that he was a political subversive mm-hmm. zealot who was outraged by the temple being taken over by money changers and harlots Hmm. yeah and he drove them out by force with a string of whip of cords it's one of the Mm -hmm. only things that's in all four gospels
0: yeah the only yeah the only um three things
2: i can think of three things that are in every gospel yeah and like you can at me at this if you think of anything else all, (laughs) all four yeah um, Jesus' birth isn't in all four. That's true. The Last Supper isn't in all four. Um, not in the way that we think of the Last Supper. John is a weird Last Supper we talked about it earlier.
0: Well, because he he like places it at the Passover when it really wasn't at the Passover or something like that.
2: Well, the difference in John is that the path, the the dipping in the cup was how he signified who was going to betray him. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not take this and remember me It's mm-hmm. if you do this you're. The one who's gonna
0: betray me. Oh yeah, yeah. We were talking earlier about the shadow communion. The shadow communion. <laughs> that is dark.
2: Look up look up the last supper in the Gospel of John. It's not it's not the communion scene that we heard in church. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a very weird, creepy mm-hmm. thing. It's like whoever dips the ball with me is the one who will betray me.
0: Can you share that thing you were telling me earlier about the
2: shadow communion? Absolutely. So it's, it's right I, I think this is fascinating. Um I used to be really upset when I was a kid, if I ever went to a Catholic service, I wasn't allowed to have communion mm-hmm. because the Methodist Church has an open communion theology for all people. For all people, you know, you don't have to be a member, you don't have to be baptized, you don't have to be anything, and so it was really um, almost like it's almost like if uh, a family member does something embarrassing, then you feel the need to step up mm-hmm. and like speak out because, like, that's not who you are, and you want to make sure people know that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I felt about communion as a kid. Like I had this like real deep offense to the idea that a priest would deny me communion mm-hmm. because I saw that as my like spiritual heritage. Yeah. And um, but then as I like studied like church history in the Gospel of John, the Last Supper that he has with his disciples, he says, "The one who dips the cup with me is the one who will train me." It was right after like you know he says. It's nice someone's gonna betray me and one by one now i went through and say like is it me jesus and he goes no it's not you peter
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, this is i'm ripping off a tiktok joke yeah. so okay <laughs> uh, and he goes you know uh, matthew goes is it me jesus and he goes no it's not you matthew and then judas goes is it me jesus and jesus goes is it me jesus <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so that's how it is in john do you yeah. think do you think uh, the other it went over the, the other disciples head
2: well what? in the story
0: yeah he dips the cup. Yeah.
2: Satan enters his body. Jesus says go and do what you have to do.
0: Do you think the 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 shadow eucharist was the means in which
2: Satan entered his body? According to the gospel. Of John. What? <laughs> hey, you know, if someone reads it differently, bring me the text but so, I translated it. So, like can you ask, know, come to come to fight.
0: Can I ask you a related question because somewhere was it in Corinthians or something where Paul's writing and he says don't don't uh, misunderstand the body or something like that. He's talking about Communion,
2: and there was there was a contestation around uh, who could take communion, what communion was mm-hmm. from the earliest days of the church. But Eucharistic language is present from the oldest documents that we have, which are the the letters of Paul, mm-hmm. and the Gospel of John is the newest. It is spanking new compared to the rest yeah, of the test,
0: like right in the nineties, right?
2: Oh, we hope it's from the nineties. <laughs> We have one sliver of one manuscript uh-huh. with like one word from the Gospel of John from the 90s. What? <laughs> Vaticanus? Like, like, people who are smart, correct me, please. I, no, there's a lot I of controversy around
0: who wrote John. Yeah.
2: Well, there's, I mean, we, we can never know who wrote John. Uh, the, the controversy is really how, how much time. Will we allow ourselves to think could have passed between the death of Jesus and the writing of the Gospel of John for us to not be really uncomfortable? Because,
0: because it, it could be as
2: late as two hundred. Because it almost
0: gets into Gnostic territory with some of the speculation. It one hundred percent
2: is like Gnostic adjacent. It's, it's Gnostic curious.
0: And it's, you, it's Gnostic curious, yeah. And similarly, Revelation. I mean, the yeah. Revelation.
2: But you know, Revelation. That's the apocalypse. That's way older than the Gospel of John. My understanding. Oh yeah. yeah. Like uh, fact-checking on all this, but my, my understanding of the Gospel of John. Okay, so let me get back to the story. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, children.
0: We went off the, on the back tangent. to the shadow
2: Eucharist. Back to the dangerous Eucharist. Careful. So, Jesus says, "Whoever dips the bowl with me is the one." Judas Iscariot, <clears throat> whose name literally means the Jew. The Jew. Judas means the Jew. Wow. And in the Gospel of John, the bad guys are the Jews. And yeah. the Jews did this and yeah. the Jews did that. It's a very, unfortunately, very anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish, I should say, document.
0: Do you think it's anti-Jewish in general or just anti-Pharisee? like Pharisee? I think it's anti-Jewish in general. Really? That's my personal... Wow. You, you can at me at
2: this one, too. y'all. No, you can mm. correct me, please. But my understanding is that enough time had passed for Christians not to see themselves as Jewish anymore. Mm-hmm. By yeah. the time the Gospel of John was written... If you read Luke and Matthew, and in a lot of in a lot of cases Mark, there's at least a reverence for the scriptures,
3: mm-hmm.
2: for the traditions. Even though a lot of times they are portrayed incorrectly, like the washing of hands and mm-hmm. like the understanding of like you know things that happened at the temple were clearly written by people who didn't experience it firsthand because they were written after, in many cases, well in all cases after the destruction of the temple.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So they wouldn't have seen these things firsthand, you know? So it was written by people who didn't know their, but the gospel of John is different. It's like a polemical document. Yeah. It's us versus them. But um, Judas rises to leave and Jesus says, go and do what you have to do. And it says that Peter and the rest of the disciples argued with one another about what that meant because Judas was the holder of the purse. The money. He was the treasurer. Oh, yeah. He says he held the the bag of coins. He held the purse. Surprised Matthew wasn't, considering he was the tax tax collector. collector. Yeah. Well, maybe they didn't trust him. Yeah, they didn't trust him, exactly. But Judas, it said, was secretly Mm -hmm. stealing money from the shared supply that he, from the beginning, was bad. Yeah. And in the Gospel of John, like, John should come with a spoiler alert from the very Mm -hmm. beginning. Every time Judas is mentioned, it says Judas Iscariot, the one who would betray him.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, it's like, geez, don't get like, away the bag. What they call him, like the something like Satan, um, hmm. the son of the son of perdition,
2: maybe. You know, I've I've heard the son of perdition. You know, means son of hell.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah. You know, and I've I've heard that you used to refer to Satan himself. Yeah, um, the son of Sam is another one that I've heard a lot. But the Lord you... of the Flies. Wow. Um, the king of Beelzebub. Beelzebub, um, which. As I understand, it, it came from Zoroastrianism. Really, and then you have, um, you, know, uh, you know, King of the Worlds.
0: That's funny because because Brian McLaren thinks that a lot of concepts of hell in that early first century, that intertestamental period, mm-hmm. came from Zoroastrianism, Zoroastrianism. Almost certainly,
2: yeah. Almost certainly, it's it's like, it's not. It's a uh, an understanding of a powerful force of evil under a figurehead of evil mm. that is in some way given authority over the world. And that that can go all the way back to the book of Job, where it appears that Satan is mm. a member of the heavenly court.
0: Yeah, he's on the payroll.
2: It was present at the beginning of time mm. and was an extra-worldly being that was...
0: He's part of the Elohim. 100%. He's,
2: well, I don't know if he's part of the Elohim. Because that might be. I don't want to like speak outside of my understanding.
0: Yeah. Well, Michael Heiser. Are you familiar with Michael Heiser?
2: No, but you mentioned to him to me just now.
0: Um, he he um, wrote this great book called um, "The Divine Realm." No, what's it called? I think it's called "The Divine Realm." I might be wrong, but anyway, um, I I that didn't get that name right. I'm gonna have to. I'll look it
2: up later. Divine Mike Heiser.
0: Uh, anyway, he wrote all about. Um, he talks about the Satan, how the Satan yeah. in Job is not the same yeah. as the Satan. It's a it's a he's like a he's like a uh, He's, he's sent by Heavenly him. Heavenly Fact checker, basically. Emissary. Yeah, he's on God's payroll. Like he's working with God. And he does nothing fact check. He
2: does nothing that God doesn't empower him to do. Yeah. And you know, there is a there's a a bet between this there's that 36. There the he time. is. Nice. Um there's a bet made between The Satan, Mm -hmm. which, you know, just means like the The adversary, the adversary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Where he says, I can make Job the greatest of us, the greatest of your creation. By testing him. I can make him curse you. Wow. Yeah. And God says, I'll take that bet. Want a bet? And, you know, I don't know about you, but that doesn't exactly match my understanding of how God goes out punishments, But, you know, uh, but, you know, back to the Gospel of John, you know, Jesus saying, go and go and do what you have to do. The disciples think that he is telling Judas to go give money to the poor. Oh. So think think about what that means, the implications of that. The disciples, the other 11, hear Jesus say, go do what you have to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: What is required of you. And they, the baseline that they give for what is expected of a follower of Jesus is to go and give money to the poor. Wow. Which would have been Judas's job.
0: Do what you have to do. Instead, he gives it to the Pharisees.
2: Well, he goes and he and I've always wondered like what exactly is it that Judas did? What information did he have? Yeah. Was it where Jesus was? Because he, guess what? He doesn't go find him where he was. He doesn't go to the upper room. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Exactly. He doesn't tell him where he's going.
0: But he knows yeah, how does he find out where
2: and he was? also like Jesus' response when they come to arrest him is, I've been preaching in the temple every day. Uh-huh. Why do you come in arrest me like a burglar? Yeah, at
0: night night. because they don't want to make a scene.
2: You know, and that's I've always wondered. Then, like, what exactly is it? What information is Judas providing? They could Mm. have found him at any moment. He doesn't provide him with their location. Mm. All he does is he goes with the Roman soldiers, Mm. and he says, "The one that I give a kiss is the one that that you should arrest." Yeah, because the Roman soldiers soldiers wouldn't know who he was.
0: You're okay, but the Roman soldiers didn't really seem to care too much.
2: But what exactly is it that? Yeah, exactly. They had a hundred people every day who were yeah. claiming to be the king. Mm. And they were all hung on their crosses just like him. Yeah. And so, yeah, for them it was a regular rebels. War. Yeah, it was they were in the middle of a war.
0: Mm.
2: You know, these were
0: the wars of the Jews.
2: These, happen- are, these are the revolutionaries. And unfortunately, we, we know the ending of the story is not very great. Mm. Yeah. Like eventually the people are defeated.
0: Destroyed in in 70 AD. Utterly. But what's fascinating. Like the whole the whole concept of like preterism and an understanding mm. those those apocalyptic passages yeah. of Jesus understanding there's there's a level of fulfillment in seventy A.D. One hundred percent. This is written yeah. like the
2: apocalyptic revelation is one that's already happened. Mm-hmm. People who are reading these texts. Yeah, and um, I think that's something that when I talk about like mis, misunderstanding genre, mm-hmm. it, it's really important. Like if you're reading the manual for your microwave and you're trying to fix your fridge (laughs) you know you're gonna say one this is a bunch of goblin yeah two you know what i felt like when i started when i i read shane claiborne in college Mm
3: -hmm.
2: after i took a this would have been my sophomore year in college um and i grew up during the iraq war and all i really knew about him was that he was very against the iraq war yeah and for that reason i didn't read him for a long time because Texans
0: are very pro war,
2: and I saw I had a, a chaplain at McMurray, which is a Methodist school that I ended up going to college at. And at that time, I was just taking my like introductory to religion courses. I took New Testament, Old Testament, um, I took Christian history, and uh, read like Augustine and Aquinas and all that, mm-hmm. that stuff. Found it very unrelatable and boring, honestly. Yeah. But the Old Testament class and the New Testament class really messed me up. Really? Um,
0: It just challenged you too much?
2: I would go home crying from those courses almost every day. Really? Because I felt like I'd been lied to by my pastors. Wow. And every day I would go to class and I'd be shown something new that shattered me. And I would go home crying.
0: That's how I felt when I discovered that... A lot of what Jesus was talking about the end of the age was talking about seventy, eighty. When Especially I can't okay. really, did can, you
2: lose sleep at night growing up worrying about
0: Worrying about the Rapture? Yeah, sure. Oh Being I remember like I was just hearing yeah. The rapture's coming. I'm gonna be sucked away, Jesus is gonna come and destroy everything, all kill because, all my friends.
2: It's all because somebody picked up the microwave manual. <laughs> and then gonna
1: fix the fridge.
2: Exactly. And yeah. All the heartbreak, all the You know, earlier, I kind of like joking when you said that I was an Mm nihilist to you. I think like what if I if I had a guess right now Mm. who Jesus was, one of my favorite books of all time. Go read it just for its weirdness. People don't write like this anymore. What is it? 1910. The quest of the historical Jesus written in German by a, I want to say, 20 year old. Really? Albert Schweitzer. Schweitzer. So Kurt Vonnegut called the most interesting man who ever lived.
0: Kurt Vonnegut. Wow. That's that's from left field.
2: Kurt Vonnegut in Slaughterhouse-Five referred to someone as an interesting person. And he said that they're not the most interesting person who ever lived. That person was Albert Schweitzer. Wow. (laughs) Albert Schweitzer was a genius, polymathic, mustachioed king. Mm -hmm. He was a master organist he at twenty was a medical doctor. He renaissance man um, was a historical theologian wunderkind and like very early in his career decided to answer the question who was Jesus?
0: Wow, I wonder what drove him that way.
2: In his mind it was an important question because he realized that a close reading of the gospels. And a close reading of the letters of Paul, Mm -hmm. close reading of the letters of like Peter, you know, Revelation, all these things, you you were able to realize that there were different conceptions of who Jesus was. Mm. For example, in the book of Hebrews, it says that Christ was so holy a man that he was chosen by God to be the Messiah. Oh boy. As an adult. (laughs) No. Um, you Ooh. have the Gospel of John. how is no that birth narrative? Yeah it appears that he is the illegitimate child of Mary. Joseph isn't mentioned at all. Wow. Um,
0: and there's also this very grandiose look at, at Jesus and John like in John
2: in John he says the Father and I are one. yeah in the Gospel of Mark it says that he never said anything directly and only spoke in parables. Wow. And Mark, he says nothing about himself ever. They ask who he is. He says, who do you think I am?
0: Yeah, who do you say that I am?
2: Um, The disciples of John say, hey, John is curious who you are. (laughs) But in the Gospel of Luke, John is his first cousin. (laughs) Yeah. Raised side by side. (laughs) You think this guy, also in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of John Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and in the Gospel of Luke, I think, and the Gospel of Mark. Actually, if I'm wrong on this, he sees Jesus and is shocked that Jesus would deign, like, like, come to him in his presence. He says, "Who am I?" Oh yeah, to treat with you. It's like John, I'm your cousin. We've been we grew up together. You'd be like sucker. I've had Thanksgiving (laughs) with you for
0: thirty three years in a row. They were they're like practically boxing each other in the womb.
2: Exactly. They're born at the exact same time. So it's just like
0: it's like. That's confusing.
2: He sees this and he's like, something doesn't match here. Mm -hmm. Like The understanding that there's a unified narrative of who Jesus is is not true. But he's like, but we have this preponderance of evidence of what people who wrote these texts knew about who Jesus was. Mm. And so if we look back at, like, the the reason he calls it the quest of the historical Jesus is because it's a daunting Mm. task. Um, At that time, 1910 years of Documents to be through to try and say like what did different periods of theologians how did they answer the question of who was the actual living breathing person of Jesus because it's changed over the years mm-hmm. but he writes so poetically and beautifully like you wouldn't believe the things he says and wow. people just don't write like it anymore it's one of the most beautifully written things and it's a, a testament to someone who is an expert and understands something hundred years ahead of his time, he writes, we will never know who Jesus was as a historical person. We will only know who he is within the worlds that these documents create. Wow. And so the quest to understand who Jesus was, apart from having like a machine to turn back time, we're never going to be able to answer by deep reading. Mm-hmm. So really the only thing that we can do is live the life that Christ would have us live. Sucker sold all his stuff, moved to Africa, is a doctor to poor people, wins the Nobel Peace Prize. He's Jesus. I mean, he he rhymes with Jesus in my mind. Well, yeah, I mean, he was given the world at twenty. Well, he could you, have lived comfortably as an expert in two fields,
0: three fields. When you think of the body of Christ, like who, where is Christ now? Like he's at the right hand of the Father, but where yeah. is Jesus now? He's also in the body on earth, you know, and he's in those least of these. And if you live like maybe he didn't claim like maybe he didn't say a prayer. Maybe he didn't say, yeah, I believe Jesus is Lord. But he lived like it,
2: you know, and he did it so well. And so grandly that word of it spread like wildfire through the Mediterranean, such that within 20 years of his death, we have documents That proved the existence of churches, that is backed up by archaeological evidence, by the way, Uh proves the existence of churches thousands of miles away. Corinth, Rome, my God. Mm -hmm. The fact that there was a cult to a Jewish Roman subvert (laughs) who was killed, very convincingly, by the way, Mm -hmm. publicly. The fact that there was a cult to him that spread that far, geologically, geographically, is just like mind blowing to me.
0: Wow. Do you have a f- final thought on this, on this tangent?
2: Nothing matters, but everything is worth.
0: So it seems like you've been you've been on the deconstruction bandwagon before it was popular. Would you say?
2: So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I. I went to school and for the very first time actually read the texts that I'd been pretending to read mm-hmm. my whole life. Yeah. And it caused like a crisis that was really quickly replaced by inspiration by people who I felt like really embodied Christ's life. Mm-hmm. And if you think about like, you know, Jesus constantly, I've mentioned this a couple of times now, but he says like all the time, like, don't say that you love me show me that you love me you know I, I don't have an exact quote for that but you can you can see all throughout the gospel of matthew it says like not all of those who cry out to me father father lord,
0: lord lord yeah
2: yeah don't don't cry out to me lord lord right? workers of iniquity you workers of iniquity <clears throat> yeah if i had to guess like you know, going back to Schweitzer a little bit if i had to guess right now as like a pretend scholar mm-hmm. of these things But as someone who I think now for about 15 years has been really genuinely wrestling with these things. Yeah. If I had to guess right now and I put my money on who Jesus was. Jesus was likely a resident of Nazareth in the first century who, as a Jew would every day walk out his home and see Roman soldiers walking the street with swords. And if you so much as looked at them a way they didn't like, they had the authority to kill you. And they did. Hmm. He would have known people who were in the pocket of Rome that were Jews who betrayed their people and became tax collectors and would come and take more money than was due. So they were poor. He was born illegitimately. We know that because he's not called Jesus, son of Joseph. How many people do you know whose like identity is given um, by their matrilineal side? Mm. Not, not often today, at least how we talk about people. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, Isaac, the son of Abraham. Not, you know. Mm-hmm. So we know that he was born illegitimately, almost certainly, which is why people would have questioned, you know, how a religious leader could come from an illegitimate birth. They didn't mm-hmm. think that was possible back then. Um, and he likely would go with his father. Um, first of all, his name would not have been Jesus. It would have been jo- uh, Joshua. Joshua.
0: Like,
2: like the, the closest thing in English, really, we should change it to Joshua. Joshua. Oh, yeah, Joshua, yeah. I mean, that's the closest thing. Yeah. Yeshua.
0: It, what is it? in? In I think it's in Greek. It's Isus or something like that, right? Isus.
2: Es, Isus. You know which could be translated you know there's there's all kinds of names. in latin it was yesu right yeah yesu versus josh yeah like, they were like um, yeah we'll go with jesus yeah you know and it's all all translation not knowing how to pronounce vowels in different parts of the world you've never been to yeah true so like the primary one that we say now is jesus but i think really you know joshua young joshua mm-hmm. would be scorned by his community for being an illegitimate born child and he, he wouldn't have been able to rise to the ranks of a rabbi how do
0: you feel about being a, a luthier, carpenter esque guy? Does that does that give you a connection with Jesus?
2: Well, it's a little too on the nose, almost like it's like my life. I think if I were to read it, I'd be like, okay, like well, have a little bit of subtlety in this one. Why did you choose to be a carpenter? Yeah, again, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I have like you know maybe your carpentry is something else, but no, I literally landed on carpentry. But here's the deal: um, I don't know if you've been to uh, Nazareth before. have never. Have you been? Yeah. Really. And guess what? It's not too far from where Herod's castle was. Wow. And um it was walking distance. Really? And so likely any laborer in Nazareth who was poor would walk before the sun rose mm-hmm. to Herod's castle and help build it. Really? It's a Roman outpost. And it's where the you know king of Israel, Herod, was placed, but he wasn't really the king. They knew that. He was put there as a Roman citizen to keep them in line. Mm-hmm. and to keep them poor so yeah. they couldn't rise up and that's how the romans kept people subverted so joshua and joseph his dad would have walked every day and he would have been looked at with scorn by his own community mm-hmm. as a poor illegitimately born child nazareth,
0: nazareth wasn't anything to write home about too mm-hmm. it's a pretty poor town well
2: here's the other thing too there's no, no trees flat. oh yeah so what? how do you have a carpenter in a place that doesn't grow <laughs> tall trees you don't wishes you, you don't you know people in the middle ages of wood you know, and olive wood—if you look at it, it looks very similar to the mesquite tree in Texas. It's gnarled, it grows low, it doesn't grow big.
0: How did they make crosses then?
2: Um, they would have had to import it from somewhere else. Really? I mean, and they had cedar trees and things like that. And you, you hear about the, the cedars of Lebanon. Yeah. yeah, and the oaks of the oaks memory. of memory. You know, you know, oaks of memory, things like yes, yeah. exactly. You know, so there were big trees, but they, it's not like in North America where yeah. we are able to clear cut large amounts of lumber. To build our homes, most places mm-hmm. in the world are not stick built because they don't have a, like huge amount of lumber. Back then, they would have built out of stone, mm-hmm. and the word in Greek is tecton, which is where we get the word tectonic, A like tectonic mm-hmm. plates. Okay,
0: yeah. So he would have been a stonemason. So you think he wasn't a carpenter; he was a stonemason. Almost certainly. Really? A tecton. Where'd you learn this? It's in this. It's in the story. Joseph, who was a tecton. Oh, it says it in Greek. I can show you right now. A te- oh wow! No, you know, I I take your word for it, but.
2: Um, yeah, so he was... So we
0: translated stone. it as carpenter.
2: Because Europeans built their homes out of wood. Uh, wow.
0: This is blowing my mind. That's awesome. So he was a, probably a stonemason. He was a stonemason. Building, building a castle.
2: For the despot A stronghold. King. Or not the despot king, for the, the, the puppet king.
0: Yeah. Dictator, like puppet dictator, right? Who had the authority in... To slaughter all the babies. Yeah. Evil. Now...
2: And he would have, and he would have walked, and he would have seen people at Herod's gates that were poor, like Lazarus, in the story. Mm, yeah, yeah. He would have seen people maimed in wars. He would have seen lepers, and he would have seen the Roman soldiers mistreat them. Wow, yeah. His mother himself, herself, may have been raped by a Roman soldier. Wow. Which would have been not only allowed, but not encouraged, because it it mm. it, it spread the the Roman uh, mm. uh, across the world
0: spread the genes heritage
2: which is why to this day you know you'll you'll see people in the middle east who have blue eyes most of that comes from the crusades unfortunately whoa yeah that's wild um, but rape is a part of colonization yes it's a tool hmm. and so joseph and and joshua would have seen these poor people you know and i think after he became an adult Because 33 is a really weird time to start a career in first century. Was it at
0: 30 that he started or 33? You
2: know, like even that is a guess. But he was an adult yeah, who didn't study as far as we know. He would not have been literate.
0: So you don't think he knew
2: this? It would have been impossible. Scriptures? He would have known the scriptures by heart.
0: Yeah, just by hearing it, right? But he wouldn't have been able to read or write them. So when he pulled out the scroll...
2: You he know, didn't actually read it. He just pulled it out. He's like, but he knew it from memory. You know, I've not seen any pictures of, <laughs> but you know, even if someone couldn't read, they would unroll the scroll. Yeah, I'm sure, because the scroll was a uh, important part of the heritage.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's a relic of, yep. of the wealth of the community.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But you know, he may have known how to read. If <clears> it's possible, but likely, in my mind, if you're an illegitimately born son of a stonemason. Mm. That means you're poor and you know, the description of the sacrifice given in the temple by Mary and Joseph is two turtletops, which has been the, the least that you could give and it still count, mm. which means they were poor. Yeah. Wow. And like Joseph would not have received a bride price for a uh, pregnant bride. Oh yeah. So he took on her debt as well.
0: That, that was a very kind and compassionate thing for him to do. Merciful.
2: Well, in the Gospel of John, which does not have a birth narrative, by the way, mm. Joseph isn't mentioned. That's weird. The only mention that we have is of Mary and Jesus' brothers and sisters.
0: In the Canaan, the marriage of Cana.
2: In the marriage of Cana, we have, we have Mary there. Mm. And we have Mary present several times throughout the story. Um, at one point, she says, you know, your family's inside. And he says, this is my family.
0: So has been deconstructing the historical Jesus or trying to understand who Jesus is. Has that been a big part of your deconstruction? It's
2: not process. even it's not even something that I chose to do it's just that if you if you read it it's there. it just happened it's there it happens yeah, if you if you study it mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not the type of thing that we you even have to uncover it's yeah. just that most people don't read it yeah if you just spend enough time reading it
3: mm-hmm.
2: th- it's there uh-huh. but you know I think I think Jesus Joshua uh-huh. son of Mary under the guardianship of Joseph mm-hmm. as an adult said I'm sick. Of seeing the way that these guys are treating us. And I am gonna go and I'm gonna be a rabbi to those who didn't make it. Mm. The fishermen, wow, the shepherds, those the enemy who, itself, the those tax who,
0: those who didn't get chosen,
2: those who were dumb, wow, and didn't make it in prostitutes, the prostitutes. I can tell you one thing about the historical Jesus. He hung out with prostitutes. There's a there's a thing within textual history where we say that if something is inconvenient. And it finds its way into the text, it's likely true. Yeah. Because you wouldn't provide someone with something to slander you with.
0: Same thing with like, you know how um it was two women who first witnessed Jesus. Why would they make that up? They wouldn't, they wouldn't, because it wouldn't be believable.
2: And in fact, in Mark it says, and then they went home and they told no one.
0: Yeah. Because they That's knew the end they, of the story. they knew nobody would believe them.
2: And all the stuff about like, you know, and then they handled snakes and they did all that kind of stuff. That was added like
0: a couple hundred years. Later.
2: Yeah. Well yeah, by like someone who's like, this ending. Makes no sense. Yeah, and we need because how do we know what happened? Yeah, mm-hmm. I hope I didn't just scream. Something.
0: No, you're good. You're good. It probably clipped a little. Who knows? Um, We're good. I
2: apologize, to the listener. We're fine. Um, but yeah, man. Like, if I had to guess, I would say that Jesus just woke up one day and had a spiritual revelation mm-hmm. that the leper who begged at the gate of Herod <clears throat> was spoken into existence by the same God. Of the roman soldier who walked the street i think that that simple revelation of the unity of everything mm. that the kingdom of god is within us yeah and that the poor man is just as worthy in the eyes precious, of god yeah. as precious mm. as the king um i think he had a revelation he said like you wash the outside of the cup but the inside is dirty mm. because you say that you represent the living god Yet you allow a false priest in the temple to make sacrifices to the king, Mm. Augustus, the son of God, and the son of man. So when Jesus says, you know, the son of man will come and judge Mm. and overthrow the mighty. Who are the mighty?
3: The Romans. Romans. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: And the hypocrites. The reason that they're called hypocrites and snakes and foxes is because they are double agents. They're Uh doing what's best for them and claiming to be like members of the kingdom of Israel Mm -hmm. while being in the pocket of Rome and doing what the the Roman authority wants to do. Mm -hmm. That's what the story is really about. Wow. When you go through and you read it, he tells his disciples to go and buy swords. Why would he do that? I don't know. Why would I, they? Include I always wondered. That?
0: I always wondered that.
2: Why would they include that? Why?
0: Did you wield a sword?
2: Well, here's the thing. He tells his disciples to go get swords, because eventually the time will come they'll have to wield them. Wow. Guess what? In seventy.
0: <laughs> What's fascinating, and what I've what I've read is that, like, from Josephus, when he took, like, historical. I don't if you know. don't know
2: Josephus, he was a yeah Jewish historian. Employed, employed by the Roman government,
0: and he wrote about the Jewish wars.
2: He wrote about the Jewish wars,
0: and which is basically a conflict between the Romans and the Jews who wanted freedom. And what was the
2: and what was the the thing that pushed them over the edge? It was called the consecration of desolation.
0: Oh yes, it was the
2: sacrifice of a pig in the temple. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same thing that Jesus. The act that got Jesus crucified was the driving of people out of the temple, mm. the money changers. Yeah. And the money changers were Roman.
0: Oh yeah. So they went spoke back to the Romans and told them, "Listen, you wouldn't guy's... survive that."
2: No. <clears throat> if you could be killed for looking at someone the wrong way in that time, what do you think driving out their number one source of income would do? Yeah. Taxing. It was an act of it was an act of of political act it was an action. Mm. It was a it was a military Action mm-hmm. driving someone out with a whip of cords in all four gospels. It says it was a whip of cords. Yeah.
0: Well, it was just in John, right? I no, think it's in it's, all four gospels. I didn't. I thought the whip was only in John.
2: In John, the very first thing that he does is drive the money changers out of the temple. Mm. And then he has three long years of ministry. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> in Mark, Matthew, and Luke. Fact checking on this, y'all. No, so I, believe, I believe it. I've been I've been really deep in Genesis recently, which is why I knew all that Laban stuff. That's good. But fact-checking on the Gospels, it's been a little while. Um, my understanding is that in Mark, Matthew, and Luke, the last thing he does publicly is drive out. Yeah. And John, the last thing that he does publicly is raise Lazarus.
0: So you think John is written from, like, the perspective of just, like, the last couple weeks?
2: No, I think that John is written from the perspective of people who were a hundred years removed from the <laughs> yeah. story
0: uh-huh. and probably didn't have Mark, passed, Matthew, and Luke
2: as a source. And they
0: passed down the story? I mean, they must have had... There's some overlap, right? Well,
2: Yeah, I mean the characters overlap Mm -hmm. Um, In John You start with a Theological statement about Like who Jesus is cosmologically Mm -hmm. You know, he's the word of God That spake creation in the Mm -hmm. Which means he is God And it has always been God He knows the end of the story Mm -hmm. Because he wrote it Um, You know, an interesting thing about The Gospel of John, you know, he starts out It doesn't have any birth narrative at all So you miss the charity of joseph yeah the the grace that joseph shows who had the like legal right to um you know what what does it say he chose to divorce her quietly Mm. that's all we get
0: but then the angel was like hey no don't do this
2: exactly and then he says you know i'll marry her and you know i'll name the child jesus and all that um but in the gospel of john you don't have any of that narrative at all but what you do have is early in jesus's ministry he is in public teaching and a naked woman is dragged before him. Hmm. And it says a pericope. Well, wait, so the pericope is just a pericope is just a story. Right?
3: Well, yeah.
0: Well, some, some people claim that that story wasn't even true and, or they don't. Well, think
2: it's, yeah. It's at least 120 years. Yeah. Older, or younger than any. Other no, of no, text. I know. I, I personally that that is from like the 200 reason region for sure i personally think that it's like the most, years after Jesus it's Christ. the
0: most christ-like story there is about Jesus you know and so it's
2: inconvenient that it's in the story textually because there's yeah. no old versions of that story it was yeah. added mm-hmm. we know that yeah but the beauty of it for me is this the Pharisees say or the the leaders whoever it is that drag the woman before him say according to our laws this woman should be stoned to death mm-hmm. what do you say And it says they do it to test him. And Jesus says. He's who's without sin. So the first thing he says is, ye, or like, you who is without sin, cast the first stone. Mm. But it says that he kneels to the ground and he writes with his finger in the dirt. And so my favorite thing, my favorite theory, and there's oceans of ink about. What is Jesus writing in the dirt mm-hmm. that causes one by one these old timers to leave? <laughs> you know, growing up, I remember hearing a sermon where someone said that he was writing their sins. Yeah. For them to see, like the things that they could be stoned to death yeah, for yeah, by yeah. the law. Um, and if Jesus was, you know, get on the local gossip back then, it, you know, maybe he knew. He's like, hey, guess who you're sleeping with? Ah. Guess, who, guess who you're in the pocket of? That could mm-hmm. be it. At the end of the Gospel of John, it ends by saying, um, these are the stories of Jesus, but it is only a small fraction of the stories that exist. And were, were these stories to be written down, there would be more pages that could exist in the entire
0: world. That's, that, that's mind-blowing. And then, and then when you get to the whole... Very then, mystical. Well, the whole, the whole concept of being, well, this is this word is final, these scriptures are final. There, there's nothing else, else that needs to be added to it. Also, there's
2: more pages that can be. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's so hypocritical. The, the Bible says, the scripture right, says itself. It's
0: like, you
1: know, there's you know, more.
2: The Bible says that, I believe it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, that, that hypocrisy is so true. Uh-huh. And that, that to me is a symptom of people who haven't actually read the text.
0: Oh, for sure. Because if you actually yeah.
2: read it, it says right there. Also, the story that's in three of the Gospels, man comes up to Jesus and says, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, good? Why do you call me good? No yeah. one but God is good.
0: Yeah. Wait, 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 Jesus. Wait. Wait a minute.
2: <laughs> I thought you were God. Yet in the Gospel of John, he says, I and the Father are one. And my words are his words. Wow. And his words are mine.
0: Do you think he was just trying to veil himself? try to, like, be secretive?
2: I think that that shows that there was a...
0: Multiplicity. multiplicity of opinions on who Jesus was. And interpretations. And interpretations that That,
2: that we like we this myth of orthodoxy has never been
0: true. It wasn't until hundreds of years later that they were like, all right, this is what we believe.
2: Orthodoxy can only be retrospective. Because, you know, like what I what I try to tell my kids, my my teens that I teach the Bible to, I start by saying, like, whether you believe this or not, this is your inheritance. Like you are, you are the inheritors of this tradition and this text Mm -hmm. and this, this thing that we call Christianity.
0: It's part of our canon of faith,
2: whether you believe it or not, like you don't get to choose what you inherit. Mm -hmm. You only get to choose what you do with it. And here's the thing. There's lots of people out there that are Mm -hmm. using your inheritance to tell gay kids that they need to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. um, To tell Jewish people that they're evil and, you know, in control and need to be wiped out. There are people that use the word of God, their inheritance, to say that God will make you rich if you're faithful.
0: Man, speaking of that, I just came I came across this video, and there was these leaked videos of discussions between Billy Graham and Richard Nixon. Have you did you hear those? And Billy Graham basically says, "You know, Hitler was on to something. He he just went about it the wrong way. But yes. but Hit Nixon, if you're if you're high if you're uh, if we get another term of you a theocracy, you'll you'll put an end to these Jews who are trying to corrupt our bank system." Like literally Billy effing Graham.
2: Yeah, my hero. When it. we were growing up. I mean, yeah. I couldn't think of anyone better than Billy Graham. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's always disappointing <clears throat> when we're like met with the imperfections. You know, I mean, like probably the most controversial thing that I'll say today. I hope that this doesn't like, uh, you know, turn into like
0: pitchforks. No, it's all good. Of um, my... I don't think I said listeners. anything
2: like any more uh, scandalous anything than anything.
0: anything Listen, we're is. here to have charitable discussions yes. about the diverse
2: yes. expressions and understanding. Also, I would like to say I should have started by saying this. I meant to um, mm-hmm. that I I've committed my life to the study of these topics and mm-hmm. to the point of like seven years of academic study mm-hmm. of Greek alone, and then post academic like daily reading this is very important to me devotionally um, and
0: the rest of your being has been devoted to tolkien
2: the rest of it is lord of the rings my heart <laughs> is always going to be the bible so these are things that i take very seriously i don't want yeah. anybody to mm. take my um, you know, the conclusions that i have are were difficult to me and mm. i've paid again and again yeah lost relationships i'm sure lost jobs um lost romantic relationships lost you know the, the list goes on of like i just like could not lie and say
3: mm-hmm.
2: that certain things that i was raised thinking about the bible were true when i knew they weren't anymore mm-hmm. and yeah so like don't take anything that i say as though like i'm saying it flippantly or dismissively Like i take it very seriously no, Th- that's what i want like people yeah. who are listening to know because if they don't know me mm-hmm. They hear me say things about Joshua. Yeah, yeah. You know, walking to Herod. they could take it as like me joking about it. It's
0: not. Oh, me. or trying to say like you're trying to underpin Absolutely Christianity. No, t- 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 no you no, you are God, you're in the water. You're swimming That's, with us.
2: I see this as my heritage.
0: So. You're a fellow traveler with yes. us all. But you might just you have a, you're coming from a different perspective.
2: I think if I think if we were to have that time machine now, I'd go back
0: and grab <laughs> Jesus,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and say I spent a couple of years learning Aramaic and we? We're able to, or maybe use Google Translate.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Bring it with you.
2: And um, I say, hey, Joshua, son of Joseph, um, what do you think about gay people? Mm -hmm. He might be wrong.
0: Because of his historical context? Yeah. And because of what he inherited?
2: We didn't know anything about it. (laughs) Yeah. We just barely do. Yeah. And I know a lot of gay people. Uh Yeah. And something that, like the other thing that I've devoted my life to, is like trying to undo the wrongs that the church has done to mm-hmm. the LGBT community. Yeah. Um, but probably the most controversial thing I could say is that I would disagree with Jesus about something. Yeah. But guaranteed, if we found the real flesh and blood Jesus and we brought him here, he here's, wouldn't agree on everything.
0: Here's the thing: if most right wing evangelical people,
2: start- oh, Jesus would would just, be terrified. Jesus,
0: Jesus would disagree with them a Jesus lot.
2: Would say, Wait a minute. Sell all your things. What? Give what, it to the poor. What do you mean uh, that there's a 2022? <laughs> because Jesus told his disciples, the Son of Man will come on clouds in judgment before some of you see death. Mm-hmm. So like, the first thing that, that would happen if Paul had a time machine and came back to 2022 is he would die of a heart attack because he wouldn't believe yeah. that 2,000 years had, had transpired. They thought it was happening... There was an urgency to Jesus' message well, that's lost on us. Now.
0: But wasn't but wasn't that because he was speaking about events that would happen within seventy? I think so. forty
2: years, forty years
0: from his death. I think so. Seventy A.D. and is does that, that mean is, there does there that mean we live in in the age to come? Like, I think so. Do you think do you think like full predatorism has some?
2: I, I think there might be some. I think there might be some insight into
0: that.
1: i I've but, but totally remember better. that you know like
2: the only words that we have of Jesus are the words that were given by his followers. In many cases. Um, Paul never claimed to have met Jesus and except for his, um, you know, he briefly in his, uh, in his letters alludes to some mystical event that we get in mm. the book of Acts. Yeah. Of, the road to Damascus. Yes. And so he like alludes to it in my understanding, but does not give that account. But like, he doesn't quote Jesus once. Mm. He doesn't say as Jesus said Once. That's true. That you know why? Weird. Why? He had no idea what he said. <laughs> That's true. It wasn't written down yet, right? Also, the Nicene Creed, it says he was born, he was crucified, he died, was resurrected. doesn't say anything about what he did during his life. That's true. They
0: there leave a lot up to interpretation. doesn't say
2: what he said. doesn't say what he did. Yeah. It just said who he was.
0: So then what is orthodoxy, quote unquote orthodoxy? It, I rem- think it's
2: always retrospective. I mean, yeah. it's always an imposition of order and like, you know, uniformity. Mm-hmm. When there's dissent, it's always uncomfortable. Like when I go off to college at 19, 18, mm-hmm. you know, and I come back and visit Pidcook United Methodist Church. Do you think I had a few things to say?
0: <laughs> Probably ruffled some feathers.
2: And I had someone ask me to my face, How could you, our son, say these things to us? The son of the community. How could you?
0: Yeah. They were breeding you. They were grooming you.
2: Well, they they were the ones who called me to ministry in the first place. Yeah. They were the ones who saw that in
0: me. That's been painful.
2: Yeah. But, you know, um, I refuse to give up on them. Yeah. Because I am the result of the patience of people who listen to me be wrong for a really long time. Hmm. And in many cases, saying things about them. <clears throat> that were deeply hurtful and without even realizing it, like the things I was saying about LGBT people. Mm. Often I'm saying it to people who were gay. I just didn't know. Yeah. Professors, coaches,
0: mm. clergy people. But they understood that the, the framework you're coming from is just, you just, I have so much to tell you, but you just can't bear to know it now. And
2: years, yeah. later, <laughs> years later, many of them would then come out to me. Mm. And I would immediately think back all the things that I said to them before. Yeah. And it was humbling.
0: I think I, I, it's one of those topics I struggle with because of my growing up, that was a big, that like, that, if anything's a sin, it's homosexuality. It was it. That, that's most I was definitely- terrified.
2: A sin. I was terrified yeah. that I was gay. Really? Isn't that hilarious? Wow. Well, I, I know that I'm not.
3: Yeah. Now,
2: <laughs> because I had a gay man say, well, Zach, whenever you look at things you're not supposed to on the computer, what kind of things do you want to look at? <laughs> he was I started to an answer and he said, you're fine. You're fine. Because <laughs> that's not the things that I want to look you
0: at. You were like Andy Bernard from The Office.
2: Yeah, I was yeah. worried. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I mean... It, I, I find that's a common thing, though, talking to mm-hmm. former evangelical men. Yeah. That it was a fear they had that they were going to be, wake up one day and be gay.
0: You know, for me, it's that's part of my deconstruction process and my, my journey with that is not over. Like, I've not come to a conclusion and part of it is because it's the conversation is so new to me.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So much of the discussion of queer theology, um, oh trans gosh. theology, it's so womanist theology. It's, new the, language. it's yeah. a new language. It's a new world to, to, to explore. And, lots I, and I'm,
2: of pitfalls to I'm, to I'm, my I'm
0: open to listen to it, yeah. but, and there's a lot of it that I like, I'm like, yeah, that resonates with me. Then some of them are like, I don't know about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's like, Part of me wants to just like dive headlong into whatever you call progressive Christianity, but part of me is like, not really. I don't really want to give it that kind of label. Yeah. I kind of just want to be as faithful to Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, yeah. um, in that sense, and whatever that looks like. That might look like come to the conclusion that yeah, the LGBT Christians exist and they're real and and they are. I mean, the, yeah. whether I like it or not, they exist. I mean, well, they're like it or not, they exist. They're they're faithful LGBT. Oh, and they're like they're...
2: annoyingly, annoyingly good and beautiful people. Right. It's like ah, yeah. oh, dang. It's hard for any person to have a genuine friendship with a person that they then don't empathize with and advocate for. Mm, yeah. And this happens again and again in human history, where there's a group of people who are thought of as being the cause of the group's suffering
3: mm.
2: we make scapegoats out of them for christians for 2000 years has been the jews mm. as early as the time of the writing of the gospel of john it's tough the enemy is the jews yeah in fact i had a professor at harvard divinity school who pretty convincingly laid out a theory that um, the reason that judas iscariot is the foil in the gospels is because he represents the entirety of the Jewish people. The
0: Jew. Yeah. Wow. That's sad and scary.
2: So this is as old as it comes. you know. um, And for me growing up, gay people were an invisible enemy.
0: The antithesis of Christian.
2: Well, I, I, as far as I knew, I didn't know anyone who was gay. That's true. And so all the things that were told to me about gay people that I won't list. Growing
0: up in the, growing up in the, in the south was probably very different i mean here in massachusetts gay marriage was passed in 2005.
2: i can't imagine yeah when i when i arrived in boston Uh i got off the plane got on the green line got out at the common the the garden in boston and the boston common and saw two women holding hands in their 40s they're like what i wept yeah because at that point i'd already been in the struggle for about three years and really already paid some personal price for I got kicked out of the Methodist Church in the South really Um, I started a gay straight alliance in my college that was very controversial and that got me kicked out of the ministry process and set me back several years in my career Mm -hmm. but also um, the girl that I was dating um, their parent when her parents found out about it they told her that we couldn't see each other anymore and so we broke up.
0: Why they find what did they find out? Oh, about you being
2: gay, made affirming. The made the news.
0: You made the news. You were on the news in Texas.
2: This was you know 15 years ago, and it just wasn't heard of. And so for the chaplain of the residence halls to be starting the Gay Straight Alliance, most people assumed I was gay and wouldn't listen. how I wasn't. Wow. So her parents were like, "Why would you date someone who's gay?" They wouldn't let her. So you know there were some like real consequences at this point so i got off the plane and i saw someone holding hands and it was so beautiful to me how normal it was
0: yeah so it was happy tears
2: It It was happy tears and sad for all the people who weren't able to do something so basic with their partner yeah because i knew at that point people who had been closeted for many years and had relationships but were never allowed to Mm. do simple expressions of affection non-sexual yeah with their partner because it would be seen as vulgar, um, mm-hmm. including like ministers who were single young men and had to be asked every week, why don't you have a girlfriend? Mm-hmm. And just people would never, it would never occur to them. Oh, it's because they are secretly gay. Wow still having relationships just deeply positive
0: without going too on too far of a tangent. Can you like give just like a quick two minute summary of like what, what experiences did you have that made you change your mind from the, from the conservative view?
2: Well, I mean the main one is my sister coming out really when I was 18. And if there was like one thing that I could go back in time and change, it'd be how I responded to that. Wow. So I didn't respond well.
0: Yeah. Have you made amends? Yeah. That's good.
2: Okay. Well, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> without getting too far into it. Yeah. But yeah, <clears throat> Lauren, if you're listening, thank you, sorry, <laughs> but you know, that was my first and I, I went to my professors I was a freshman in college, distraught, and they patiently listened to me and all my crack brain theories about why she was doing this. Hmm. The simplest answer being that she just actually was gay. <laughs> Not that she had somehow been convinced by yeah you know evil people that she was or whatever she'd been
0: deceived or something yeah
2: which is what i thought yeah. i thought that she was just like
0: when in all reality she was probably just really trying to deceive herself into not thinking she was gay she
2: desperately didn't want to be yeah, yeah. and was trying her entire life not to be and thought about you know well I, won't cut
0: down well I was talking to one of my friends and i was asking i was just like prying and i was like what is it like Tell me more. He's like, I'll tell you what, if I could choose not to be gay, I'd do it in a heartbeat.
2: Every gay person I've ever known at some point in their life that has been the case. Yeah. And when I think about when they are truly able to like arrive at a point of health is when they would
0: not. When they've accepted themselves.
2: Mm. And like, so, you know, the person that I, the professor that I confessed these things to fast forward five years. Zach, I have something to tell you. You know the the pastors, two pastors, most important to me in that time. Mm-hmm. Several years into our friendship, I me tell you, you have to stop joking about this because yeah, and they let me know.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was like
2: all of my roommates freshman year. Mm-hmm. All. Of my, um,
0: this is in Texas.
2: Closest friends in college,
0: or is this Texas? Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: All. So God, God was showing me something. All the people that I complained to were deeply struggling with this themselves. How patient did they have to be with me? Mm. It was one of those things where I was just like, all right, you know. Now that I've seen it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Like I don't think that God wants me to ignore <clears throat> scientific literature because it's inconvenient with my theology. Yeah. Wow. And then not even to begin, like if you really read the book of Genesis, the sexual stuff that we, and, and Leviticus and everything else, mm-hmm. the, the verses that we point to, there's eight big ones. Yep. Every single one of them have been disproven yeah. this side to next Tuesday. Uh-huh of that they are not talking about people in long-term committed relationships they're talking about rape Hmm. every time in the old testament that they talk about homosexuality as as it's translated that's what it is so you know that's been my biggest like it was really damn inconvenient to me but once you turn the lights on you see the state of the room you can turn the lights back off if you want to but you've seen the room
0: it was kind of like a road to damascus experience because once paul experienced that he couldn't turn back
2: it was like he was like shit yeah (laughs) yeah You know, I was shown that I was wrong. And Mm. so, like, really, I see almost my career as a penance Mm. for all the harm that I did Mm. when I was younger. And what I saw was all the harm that the church had done to the fact that, like, you know, an LGBT teen is exponentially more likely to commit suicide than a non-LGBT teen. Mm. And that's a a burden that the church should own.
0: And how is that flourishing? How is that human... Growth and flourishing and you know that's why would we want that
3: for people? I don't know.
0: No, I don't think we do. And I honestly when you ask well meaning people who are have the traditional view, they're like, I don't that doesn't just because I'm not necessarily affirming doesn't mean I want them to kill themselves. I just I don't
2: know. If you you take the logical conclusion of telling someone that they're doing something irredeemable that they Mm -hmm. can't change, they see themselves as irredeemable. Yeah, especially if you yourself are deeply ashamed of your, you know, unintentional predilections, you know, or desires.
0: I think I fear making um, absolute statements about it because the truth is every person's experience is different. And I've, I've come across there are people who know they're gay, but they don't feel called to pursue a gay relationship. They feel called either to celibacy or they feel called to be married, even though they feel gay, and maybe they're like, bi or something. But I'm, I mean, <laughs> but then, but then there are people who are like, I genuinely cannot change how I feel. You know,
2: you know, like the preponderance of evidence is that when people closet themselves, it leads to intense emotional turmoil. Probably takes years off your life. A hundred percent. It makes your odds of suicide go through the roof. Wow. I know people who were married for 30 years to a woman before they ever admitted to themselves that they were gay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that has to be more common than we'd like to believe too. So for me,
2: it's less about arriving at the truth as for me, I don't think that God at the end of the day is going to say, you are now going to be punished for the people that you were kind to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you put it that way. But I fear the day that I meet the Creator because mm-hmm. I know that there were times in my life that I told someone that they were destined to damnation because mm-hmm. of something they could not change about themselves yeah like I have to carry that carry that burden mm-hmm. but for me like my whole ministry like I pinch myself like I felt I like you know you asked earlier if I had a mystical experience yeah um, the answer is that yes. I mean, I graduated from Divinity School. There's been several times in my life where I've felt the hand of God moving. I put really very little effort into my college search. My dad, I was like skipping class and went to my dad's classroom because he was still a part-time minister at that time. He was teaching school still. So I skipped class and like went to this classroom and he says, are you thinking about college? And I was like, oh, yeah, because we were like in the state championship run. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking for football. I wasn't thinking about college at all. And he's like, well, let's Google. I think it was actually like he used Yahoo at that time. And I don't think he unironically would say like, let's Yahoo.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like let's Yahoo uh, Methodist <laughs> colleges in Texas. Yeah. And he did. And the first one that came up was McMurray. And there's he's like, they have five full scholarships that they give out every year for mm-hmm. academics. And I was like, oh, I'll do that. And that was the extent of my entire college search. Wow. I just knew it was like a piece that came up and i was like oh yeah that's that's what i'm supposed to do. you just knew i was just like i'll go there mm-hmm. college will be free and that was like the only plan i had really and then again like when harvard divinity school came on my radar we I mean, visited a string of seminaries on the east coast and as soon as i stepped on campus i was like oh yeah i'll go here like i didn't even hear anything about the <laughs> the, the program but it was the perfect program for me and just felt right it was like the most i felt like because it was interfaith And I was studying with Muslims and Jews and Buddhists and Catholics and agnostics and atheists and pagans and everything. That must have been enriching. Well, it it was, I thought it was a realistic way of studying religion because Mm -hmm. when you go into the world, you're not going to have people that are homogenous. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: I I found it really
2: liberating. Like if I was talking about my understanding of communion to my Buddhist friend, I'm not going to be outraged that he disagrees with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whereas if I'm arguing with another Methodist about it, you know, I get pretty heated. Um, but I felt the hand of God there, and it was the same like when I met my wife. I, I just knew like, oh yeah, well she's good, like that's the one. You know, mm-hmm. it was like a an, and like it was just a sense of comfort and peace. It's never been a pull or a push. It's always just been like, oh, like you recognize it. And you're like that is what God would have me do, mm-hmm. and that's how it felt when when I started Simple Church. It was right out of seminary, and it, like there's no way they should have let me do this in 2014. But
0: you had moved here at this you know,
2: point i've been i've been in new england for three years i was already married and they were like a church closed in grafton mass would you like to use the money from the building sale to start a new church and that was the only guidelines they gave me and they gave us a house to live in and a bunch of money and we started a simple church and it was great wow
0: they really put a lot of trust in you
2: yeah i can't believe it <laughs> and it was really successful in its own way but you yeah. were able to pay the bills first i thought years. it was super cool when i was, it younger. was so fun and you know I felt like it was an exam a way I was given the freedom to just live out my ideals mm-hmm. You know? so I learned to farm I learned to make bread carpentry yeah. so I ended up learning how to make guitars and
0: well I mean what would uh you know what would the early church look like it would look something like that right well, they talked mm-hmm. about the early
2: church it says and they gathered in each other's homes mm-hmm. and the breaking and sharing of bread and the they- teachings of the Apostles mm-hmm. the- and they sang the songs and they said the prayers and they took care of each other's needs yeah. and no one had anything bad to say about anybody and everything was great yeah <laughs> And I was like, that sounds great. It
0: sounds like a utopian
2: society. So I was just like, let's just like, you know, not have a church building. Let's just meet for dinner. Let's not have a sermon. Let's just have conversations. Mm -hmm. Let's read the Bible, pray for each other, eat good food. And was food that we were helping grow on the farm, it was very like, like looking back, it was like ridiculous that I was allowed to do it as my job. And, you know, we learned the trades and that was a really amazing gift that I was given in my prayer life and my, my faith. But the moment I went to Worcester Fellowship in Worcester's outdoor church, um, I realized that like all the stuff I was doing at Simple Church was just kind of playing. Like mm. I was like given a like church playground to play. Really, at. it was wow. almost like an art installation.
0: You didn't feel like it was serious.
2: I, I was extremely serious. I, I should say I was sincere, sincere, but not serious. Really, wow. It was whimsical. It was like what is too good to be true. Honestly. What if instead of meeting on Sunday mornings, we met on Thursday nights? <laughs> Why? Because people go out on Thursday nights. That's the night people want to do things. Ah. Churches on Sunday are trying to grow and they meet the exact same time as all the other churches. Hmm. That's silly. If people have already told you they don't want to come at a certain time and then you have your service at the exact same time that nobody has ever shown up to church. But then you weird. get
0: people from all different churches, right?
2: I did. Yeah. It's messy and weird. And, um, that's fun. But somebody asked me, oh, is the reason you meet on Thursday nights because of Monday, Thursday, the Last Supper? And it was a service of the Eucharist. Like we started with the bread and we ended with the juice. No way. And I was like, yes, yes.
0: (laughs) Happenstance. It's
2: definitely not that that was the only time that the venue was available. And uh, just, I heard of another church that had a Mm -hmm. cool church in Boston. That was like kind of a hipster church that met on Thursday nights. And I thought that was really radical and cool.
0: Maybe they did it for the same reason.
2: Probably. Maybe. But yeah, you know, like that was fun. But the moment I went to Worcester Fellowship and started hanging out with homeless people, well, I got a call from the secretary. This is around April. I was a Methodist. And she said, you know, we've had a pastoral change. We need people to fill the pulpit. Like, are you free this Sunday? And I was like, I am. Yeah. Let me come. And I'll bring my guitar. and I'll bring some bread. And I'd worked at the outdoor church in Cambridge seminary, which was a similar model, no building. You meet outside for worship where homeless people hang out. And then you walk around and like offer sandwiches or toiletries or socks. Um, and so I went and I already had experience and, you know, we hand out the meal. There was about a hundred people there, homeless men and women. Um, and then we started setting up for the church service and we were doing the church service, but there were some people who had had the meal that didn't join, which is fine. But I saw one woman, she had a very like memorable face. And I still see her around from time to time, mm-hmm. but she doesn't come regularly. And I saw that she was wearing a cross, like a rosary. And so during the passing of the peace right before communion, I asked her if she wanted to come and have communion. It was like a weird thing. It was like, uh, um, I felt this like call to like invite her to have communion.
0: you yeah. get No, you're good. Keep going.
2: I felt this, like, call that, like, I needed to, like, invite her to have communion. Mm-hmm. And in the past, I've called it, like, a zeal. Like, I just had this pull. I was like, I need to go and invite her. And I did. And she was wearing a cross. I didn't feel awkward as a minister, like, inviting her to come have communion. Just because that was enough of an opening for me to not feel like I was going to embarrass her to ask. And she said no. And I was like, come on. Like, just come just come," she goes. "No, no, no. I haven't been to church in a long time. I was like, just leave your stuff over here and come. I just no. And I don't know what it was, but I was just like, like come on, like like I am, I'm begging. You really wanted her. I was like, I'm I'm begging to come and take this communion. Like please. Mm-hmm. Like I just I just really feel like a need to invite you and she said no again and i said that's fine that's fine but i just i felt the need to invite you
3: which is not something i
2: would normally do i mean i was raised in the evangelical church but i've always been really nervous talking to strangers mm-hmm. to this day i have to like give myself a little pep talk before i approach someone new and so it's just not the kind of thing i would do like i am not asking people to or begging people to come to church ever it just wouldn't be in my character to do that but for whatever reason I just really was like, please. <laughs> and I went and I felt like a little not deflated, but like ugh, embarrassed. Like, oh man, like this poor woman. Like she doesn't even know me. Harassing her to eat some bread. And I do the the community liturgy where you tell the story of the Last Supper.
0: It's the opposite of the of
2: the shadow Eucharist. Exactly. I want you to take it. Yeah, please. Please God, take please. it. Please. <laughs> And you know, on Thursdays, like we constantly were waxing poetic about the Eucharist. Like we were sharing a full meal with good bread and real great juice and like full glasses of it, you know. And we were talking about the abundance that was available to people. And I just really felt this, like, for whatever reason, I could just tell that she was burdened, and I wanted her to have that freedom of communion, like recognizing that you're one. That's what communion means, like being one.
0: Hmm. Atonement, at one minute.
2: Oh, You know, and, like, yeah, that's what every, I think every, like, true, like, religious revelation that's happened in history has come down to a simple, like, revelation of oneness. And when I, like, looked up, the first person in line for communion was her. And... After she rejected you? Yeah. Wow. And first person in line... And as I like offered her the bread, she put her hand up and said, Are you sure that wow. this is okay? Wow. Because I haven't been good. Wow. God knows what she meant. Wow. But I didn't care. Yeah. And I was like, not only am I sure, like, I think that God put me here on this earth for this moment to give this community. Wow. And I was like shot through the body with lightning. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, man, I've been checking, <laughs> playing around, mm-hmm. you know, learning how to bake bread and tables yeah. and shit. Doing the
0: symbolic ritual of six miles oh, away
2: let's get from me, there are people who are hungry and thirsty for hope mm. and being told that they are worth it. They are hungry. And it was like a, it was a revelation. I was like, I've been reading the instruction manual to the fridge trying to work on the microwave wow i'm wondering why it doesn't line up But the moment i started preaching the gospel to homeless people it was like oh i'm reading the words that were intended for the people that are hearing it now and it makes all the all the sense in the world like when you say to a poor wow. person come to me all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens it's different that burden is fentanyl Quitting heroin is more painful than death. Mm. People don't realize it. People say, why don't they quit? Because their body is telling them that if they don't have that drug, they'll die. Yeah. <clears throat> when we talk about like kicking the habit, it's because your body goes into convulsions mm. because it thinks that it's being denied something that so needs to live. They yeah. kick uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. You know, telling them that there's hope. You know, the song I'll Fly Away, I always hated as a kid. Yeah, I still do. <laughs> well, it hits different to say to someone one fine morning when this life is over, you'll fly away like mm. a bird mm. from prison bars, you'll fly. Yeah. Like, because you've been shackled by it. Mm. drugs and you know, mental illness and mm. sleeping in the cold and being spat on and disregarded, and your life is miserable, but you have the hope of another day.
0: You saw a woman who's literally unseen. You know, this the people we drive by and we don't even recognize them.
2: Well, right now, you know, because I've been doing it for six years now, mm. uh, actually, sorry, five years now, like I, I literally know everybody mm, yeah. when I drive to downtown. If you know I see me. someone I don't know, it's because they're new. Mm. And um, that's a gift. Yeah.
0: Like to know them, that's to know them well means. enough
2: that if I see someone I don't know, it means they're new to town. Wow, it is a gift.
0: Yeah, you must know a lot of people from the mustard that go by the mustard seed.
2: I know everyone.
0: Have you been to the mustard seed?
2: Yeah, I right. was just there two days ago. Excellent. I know everyone. You, you know know like my then? Yeah, if I don't know them, you'll get to know them. Then they're like on my list of people I need to know.
0: You know, maybe Jesus was serious when he opened up the scroll. And What did he
2: say? I've come to declare good news to the poor to declare the release of the captive and restoration of sites, the blind. Is that, is that, is that what he reads?
0: <laughs> yeah. Something like that.
2: Or no, more, I, I'm he... the Lord's bond servant. The, the root from Jesse's tree. Is that what he
0: said? No, the first thing you were saying was exactly. I, I know those I, are a first here, words in a few of the gospels. I'm here, I'm here, here to think. declare the, the Lord, the year. Of that's, the Lord. Definitely,
2: that's definitely his first sermon that he ever gives.
0: He opens up the scroll and that's what he reads. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: And it's like, how much more clear does Jesus have to be? about what His ministry is about.
2: I think you're. I think you're right. And the <laughs> you know, proofs, the proofs in the pudding, right? Yeah. But He tells His disciples, "Go do what you have to do."
0: Go do what you have to do. Judas, go do what you must. And yeah. Jesus did what He must, but not what.
2: But the Jesus disciples, does. the simple, the one thing that you have to do. You know, the other thing too is that, like, part of the reason why I continue to do homeless ministry, and I'll wrap it up with this story.
3: Mm,
2: yeah. Is jesus says to the disciples at one point the poor will always be with you mm, yep and i heard that as a child used as an excuse to not take care of the poor yeah because it was somehow seen as a indictment by jesus of their guilt or, or like the, or the like, of the, it.
0: the yeah they're always among you just why don't. Bother? why bother yeah exactly
2: that's in reality,
0: the voice of Satan himself.
2: He's quoting the book of Leviticus.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I want to say it's Leviticus 17, fact checking listener.
0: A lot of fact checking to do. I know, sorry. I'm like throwing out all
2: these facts. I hope I haven't like ruined your podcast. You got, less than, a... you got
0: less than three minutes.
2: You can do this. I believe poor, in you. Poor Peter has been like on my tangents all day. Oh, that's good. The, the The text in Leviticus says the poor you will always have with you. So open your hand in charity to them. Wow. Yeah. But another completely appropriate way to translate that from Greek into English would be you will always be with the poor.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, that was after that woman took like basically her whole life's savings and poured it all over Jesus's feet to cleanse him. Put the alabaster. So you don't
2: understand what she's,
0: what she's saying. The disciples
2: are like, Oh, we could have used that. That would have been good money. What she's saying is that I am. Well, actually, they critique her for not. They said you could have used that money to help the poor. Oh. They moralize it. Mm, yeah. They said this. This could have been used to feed X, Y, Z people. And Jesus scolds them and says, um, "You know what she has done is like an act of a beautiful exorbitant grace." That Preparing him for burial. For burial.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: You know, she's saying that I'm the Messiah who needs to be crucified. Wow. She has. She had a, a theological insight that you haven't had yet she's she's not a and she's a woman and yeah and strongly implies that she's a prostitute wow because touching someone's feet you wouldn't do it.
0: well i'm sure like working with the poor you realize that they they and the homeless they end up in situations that they didn't they plan on right and so, in a lot of cases
2: they're stuck in whirlpools mm-hmm. not of their own design stuck. that they can't get out of like a yeah. black hole They can't escape you know if you make a certain amount of money you lose your benefits okay. that you've been working for years to get so there's a disincentive to get a job. Mm. And then every day people call you lazy because you can't have a job. Yeah. The indignity of it is you know, we pay taxes in our country that mm. often you know a third of them go directly to the military. Mm. I understand the the point of defense, don't get me wrong. I grew up on a military base, so please don't read wrong into this part. I think I think we could use Our resources better. Oh, 100% for sure. It's not, it's not inevitable. Mm -hmm. Other countries have found a way to rid themselves of homelessness, but not us.
0: Yeah, you're right.
2: It's not inevitable. I think, I think you're so right. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely, Zach. I, I, and uh, I look forward to our discussion in coming in the future on um, the theology of Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings. It's where it's at. It's going to be great. He
2: was meticulous. Thank you kindly. Thank you. This has been so fun.
0: Yeah, we'll be back. Enjoy. Thank you.
2: Lord, Lord,
3: the nature of your wrath. It's not an
0: easy path, but I'm willing to trust Alone dying in the dust.